Today's episode of Fantasy Baseball in 15 is brought to you by Manscaped. Manscaped is here to make sure you're well-groomed above and below the belt. Manscaped promotes clean hygiene when it comes to shaving with their new Lawnmower 3.0 personal trimmer. Manscaped is the only men's brand dedicated to below-the-waist grooming, and the Lawnmower 3.0 is a waterproof cordless body trimmer that makes it safe and easy. Subscribe to the perfect package and get a new replacement blade refill for your trimmer delivered to your door every three months making sure your trimmer always stays fresh and clean. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code THEATHLETIC20. And for a limited time, subscribers get not one, but two free gifts, a travel bag, a $39 value, and the patented high-performance Manscaped boxer briefs. So go to manscaped.com today and use code THEATHLETIC20. We have a new batch of injuries to consider, plus a surprising debut and an intriguing closer situation. Like death and taxes, Dodger's been a Dodger. I have not had uh, three go-throughs yet. It worked great in a fantasy league. I'm just glad I am not at the dentist. Fantasy Baseball in 15 on The Athletic. Welcome to Fantasy Baseball 15 for Monday, September 7th. Happy Labor Day to everybody and spending the Labor Day with me here on Fantasy Baseball 15 is none other than Derek Van Riper and DVR. Uh, not that this is unusual, but we've got a lot of injury news, so let's go right to it. Uh, Lance McCullers has been placed on the injured list by the Astros. He has neck nerve ir- irritation and there is no timetable for his return. Is there a fantasy relevant uh, impact here? Uh, do you figure Luis Garcia stays in the Astros rotation, and is that something we should be paying attention to? Yeah, I mean, I think at this point, Jose Urquidy came back over the weekend, and Brandon Bielek has fallen apart after a couple of decent outings after moving to that rotation. So I look at this situation; I see Garcia being the better fit uh, at this point. It's amazing. They've really had to rely on a lot of depth starters this season because of the loss of Garrett Cole, because of multiple injuries. And for the most part, the rotations kept it together for Houston. Luis Garcia, I think, is one of three players with the same name who entered this season as a top 30 prospect within an organization, which is pretty wild. Uh, so only only a little bit of confusion. I want to see a third pitch if he's going to be a starter long term. I know we don't get to find that out before we have to decide if we're going to use him. Uh, so I would look at him and say that he's probably going to be a 75 to 80 pitch guy looking at what he did on Friday. I think he threw 66 pitches last time out. So you got a little bit of a starter uh, workload cap on him. I think that's a concern. Some questions about the arsenal in deeper leagues, like an AL only league. I think he's definitely a pickup in a really deep mixed league, maybe. But I see him as more of like a keeper dynasty sort of dart if you're in a league where you can stash him away for the future. Yeah, that's definitely where he's got uh, the most appeal. And in some better news for the Astros, Alex Bregman, who's been out with a hamstring injury, he may be activated as soon as Monday. So definitely keep tabs on that before you set your lineups. And sort of continuing with an Astros theme, former Astro Dallas Keuchel, he left his Sunday start against the Royals with a stiff back. He is considered day-to-day. If he does stay on target for his next start, that would be the Sunday against Detroit. Um, so... You know, I'd be just tempted to kind of blow past this one and say, you know, 
be safe and, and just, you know, you're not really losing much here. But, I mean, Keuchel's really been excellent this year. And uh, it's not been with strikeouts. And it generally hasn't been with Keuchel throughout his career. But I think this one's a tougher dilemma than, than maybe we would think at first pass. Yeah, I think we're kind of looking at the 2014 version of Dallas Keuchel. You might remember a six and a half Ks per nine, a good walk rate, really low home run rate, and the extreme ground ball tendencies. There's been some fluctuation with his ground ball rate in more recent years, but when he's getting you know, three plus ground balls to every fly ball, that's sort of Dallas Keuchel at his best. It would be nice if he was able to add a few more strikeouts, but I look at him, and because of the team he's on, the run support that White Sox offense provides, they got a couple of decent bullpen arms that can protect leads. I'm chalking him up to uh, on the list of players I was wrong about. I don't have him anywhere this season, Al. So every time Dallas Keuchel does something good, it only bumps me down in the standings. <laughs> yeah, I feel the same way. Didn't get him. Really regret it. And um, you know, I just in a non-fantasy uh, angle here, I think that that signing was one of the best signings this offseason. Really critical because it's just giving the White Sox just that much more quality depth in their rotation, and I think that that makes a huge difference in terms of their postseason chances. Yeah, I mean it's a three-year deal, so I'm kind of curious to see what 2021 and 2022 look like. But I'm right there with you. Definitely not a move that. I thought was a great idea at the time, but gave them exactly what they needed with a lot of younger arms that they're relying on in the back of that rotation. Yep, and well, uh, another offseason move, the Cardinals signing Kwang Young Kim. Uh, he has gone on the injured list with a kidney ailment. He will be evaluated on Monday, so it uh, seems like this one really could um, go any number of ways in terms of when he'd be ready to return. In the meantime, uh, Carlos Martinez is going to be activated off of the COVID-19 injured list, and he is uh, at least tentatively scheduled to start the first game of the Cardinals doubleheader with the uh, Twins uh, this Tuesday. So uh, is this a, a wait-and-see opportunity here with Martinez, see how he fares in the first start back? I think it is. We've talked about players coming off the COVID injured list, the uncertainty about how they're feeling, how much stamina there's going to be. Sometimes we get some clues in terms of reports about workloads and intra-squad games at the alternate training site. With Martinez, I don't think the Cardinals have really been clear on how they wanted to handle his role this year. He worked entirely out of the bullpen last season, 48 appearances, all in relief. He pitched well, 317 ERA, 118 whip, so I'm just not expecting him to go deep in this start, even if he gets through four and change, maybe gets into that fifth inning. It's a really tough matchup as well, so I think that's part of what's steering me closer to the wait and see as opposed to the more aggressive get him and put him in your lineup right away plan. All right, well, uh, a number of other... Uh, injuries uh, to occur. Uh, so we're just going to go through some of these uh, a little bit quickly here. But Teoscar Hernandez with a rib cage injury, he had an MRI, uh, but because there was so much swelling still, that uh, that test was inconclusive. But uh, there's chance he goes on the injured list, which is a, a huge blow to the Blue Jays and uh, for anybody in fantasy that's got him. Uh, Hernandez is second in roto value for outfielders on the ESPN Player Raider, only behind Mookie Betts. That's incredible. Just ahead of Mike Trout. Uh, and in some other Blue Jays news, Nate Pearson and Ken Giles could both be close to their returns uh, from the injured list. So that's uh, certainly uh, welcome news, especially if you've been uh, stashing either one. Uh, and that coming to us from Bill Ladson of MLB.com. Jason Hayward left the Cubs game on Sunday night against the Cardinals. According to MLB.com's Jordan Bastion, he was not feeling well. 
Uh, that's obviously very vague. Uh, we don't know exactly what that entails, and we'll have to uh, keep tabs on that one. Anthony Santander, who's been on the injured list with an oblique injury, uh, may not come back in 2020. And DVR, we talked earlier uh, on on Sunday. Uh, you and I did the uh, Athletic Fantasy Baseball podcast together. I sat in for Michael Beller, and we talked about Luis Capusano. We were both pretty um, enthused about pursuing him in fab. Uh, but then on Sunday, went on the injured list with a wrist sprain. So uh, I pulled my bid. I'm assuming you did too. Uh, and Phillies with a couple of outfield injuries uh, involving IL moves. Uh, Jay Bruce with a quad injury and Roman Quinn uh, on the concussion IL. So I'm assuming this is more playing time for Adam Hazley. Uh, what's the impact there? Any mixed league appeal? A little bit. I think Hazley was one of those guys that when I looked at the underlying numbers from a year ago, StatCast was more favorable than I would have expected uh, compared to the regular baseline results this is a guy that hit 266 324 396 last season you know five homers and 242 plate appearances four stolen bases the plate skills are, are still developing uh, i'd love to see him start to take more walks but i think in the short term he's going to get the bulk of the playing time in center uh, working probably on the big side of a platoon i'm not sure who exactly they would use or how exactly they would shift things around i imagine phil goslin finds his way into the lineup against lefties and Maybe Andrew McCutcheon has to play a little center field in those situations. But uh, ultimately, I think Hazley gets the biggest bump in playing time with those injuries. Yeah, and maybe Neil Walker in that mix as well. But for sure, Hazley's the the big impact there. And then on Sunday, um, very unwelcome news here for Matt Chapman. He has a right hip strain. He will go for an MRI on Monday. So uh, if he if it's bad news for Chapman and it looks like we can't start him this week, who do you like from the third base waiver pool to uh, try your best to replace him? I'm in on Brad Miller. I think what he's doing right now is real. I think I've said it before on this show, the StatCast numbers back up the power, and I think the 30 home run season we saw a few years ago in Tampa Bay is increasingly looking like less of an outlier. Uh, for a little while, I thought that was a one-time deal, but on a per-game basis, that's the sort of power he's showing us right now. And I just love the way he's controlling the strike zone, too. The walk rate's off the charts high. He just looks like a really dangerous hitter right now. Yeah, and Spats keeping him in the lineup. Uh so I thought maybe when Paul DeYoung came back, that would curtail his playing time. But that has definitely not been the case for uh, for Brad Miller. Uh, so we've got a few su- Sunday stand-up performances to look into. Uh, before we do that, though, we've just got a message here from one of our sponsors. All right, DVR. Well, we're going to revisit a player uh, that we talked about, I think, roughly a week ago, and that's Patrick Corbin. Uh, just a bad start on Sunday at Atlanta. Five and a third innings, five runs on nine hits and four walks. Uh, did get six strikeouts, but that doesn't really do much to help the uh, the stat line there. And in the four games before that, which really prompted uh, our prior discussion, having a little bit of concern for Corbin, a 4.84 ERA, that's actually slightly better than his 5.12 FIP, only 16 strikeouts in those 22 and a third previous innings. He's going to get the Braves again on Saturday. Uh, it seems like a... Maybe uh, certainly an unexpected thing to ask, but you know, in a short season like, like this, I think it's, it's a fair question. Do you bench him this week? It's really weird to see the drop in strikeout rate after holding strikeout rates at 28.5% last year and just over 30% in 2018. He's down at 20.9% this season. 379 ERA, that's actually a little bit lucky when you start looking at the skills. Um, this is a guy that's struggling with the home run ball right now too, and we talked about him 
maybe a week or so ago, I mean, there's a few things going wrong. And the, the biggest concern I have about Corbin in the long, long term is that he's really a two-pitch starter. And things can fall apart really quickly if you lose velocity as a two-pitch starter. Hitters can you know, spit on the breaking ball and just tee off on the fastball. And he's lost two miles per hour of velocity on that fastball, down from 91.9 miles per hour to 89.9 miles per hour this season. So I'm definitely concerned enough about Corbin to sit him down in those more, more shallow formats. If I guess if I had a great bench in a deeper league, I'd probably sit him down there too. All right, so yeah, definitely check your alternatives there. And check in on just a couple of starters uh, who did really, really well on Sunday. Uh, not clear if they're going to stick around, but they certainly made a good case. Dean Kramer uh, for the Orioles against the Yankees. One hit, one run in six innings with seven strikeouts. And T.J. Antone, uh, who's been in sort of that swingman role for the Reds, uh, but a really good start against the Pirates. Uh, one run over five innings on five hits, a couple of walks with six strikeouts. Now, as odd as this may seem, in both cases, maybe you can credit the the matchup because the Yankees just aren't hitting right now, and that's who uh, Kramer had his good start against, Antone, in his case, against the Pirates. So uh, do you think there was enough there against that competition to uh, keep them in the rotation for a little while longer? I mean, I think with Kramer especially, the Orioles are looking for answers. Uh, he's a guy they acquired from the Dodgers, and I, I think there is something to be excited about here. Uh, it's very important board to point out the Yankees right now are not the typical Yankees. A lot of injuries and a bunch of players slumping who have been regulars in that lineup. So it's not the same as the opening day lineup that we saw with healthy Stanton and healthy judge, right? Pretty big difference in terms of the quality right now. Uh, but I'm there on Kramer and I wonder with TJ Anton, if he's going to be, uh, if he's going to be a candidate for the Reds rotation in 2021, because if he is, I think he, like Kramer, would become someone that I'd be thinking about picking up in my keeper and dynasty leagues on the cheap right now and just kind of seeing, kind of taking them as more like lottery tickets for the future. Yeah, I like that a lot, like that that approach. And um, on the Athletic Fantasy Baseball podcast on Sunday, you and I, we talked about a, a few different closer situations, but one we didn't talk about was the Giants. And, and you know, in all fairness, I mean, that that's one that has looked up for grabs with nobody looking particularly strong. So it's one I've been avoiding. But Tyler Rogers got the save for them against the Diamondbacks on Sunday. He now has three of the Giants' last five saves and while he's not uh, certainly an overwhelming pitcher, um, not going to be great for K's, although not going to be disastrous either, uh, he's got one really standout skill, which is he just doesn't allow barrels. He has now allowed 114 batted balls in his career, which has spanned the last two seasons, one barrel allowed, and that was earlier this year. Uh, is that enough to put him into the conversation with the Hiranos and uh, Ginkles and <laughs> some of the other relievers we were talking about as targets? Yeah, I think he fits in that bottom tier. I would take Ginkle over Hirano and Johan Ramirez, and I would take him over Rodgers too. I think Rodgers versus the Seattle options is really interesting because Hirano converted a save on Sunday, but he gave up a really long home run. Uh, before shutting the door on the Rangers. So I don't think he's got a very firm hold in the role, whereas Rogers seems to be the preferred option, even if he shares some of those chances. So I think I prefer Rogers to the mystery box options in Seattle at this point. 
All right. Well, so that definitely puts him in the mix for sure. Before we wrap things up here, we lost another great one uh, from baseball. Lou Brock uh, passing away this weekend. Um, and uh, just uh, an incredible player from my, you know, my early years of following baseball in the 70s. Um, in fact, the, the season he stole 118 bases for the Cardinals, that was the first year I really started following baseball. But only Ricky, Ricky Henderson surpassed his 938 career stolen bases, also a 293 career batting average for Lou Brock. Uh, just a, a sensational dynamic player, and, and he will uh, certainly be missed. Um, so uh, we do have one more thing here, and that is our featured read of the day. This one from Michael Salfino. We love our StatCast heroes, and he's got 10 of them for you to pay attention to. StatCast sleepers, 10 widely available players primed for a hot fantasy run. That's Michael Salfino in The Athletic. And that's going to be it for this episode of Fantasy Baseball in 15. If you are listening to this podcast on a platform that allows you to rate and review our podcast, we always do appreciate it when you do that. And uh, for Derek Van Riper, I'm Al Melkier, and we're going to be right back here on Tuesday.